Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Mental Health Babble podcast. So great to have you here. Uh, today, it is me, Kenny. Um, I'm going to be doing the podcast alone today. Uh, we had a little bit of a time crunch here uh, preparing for this episode. And unfortunately, I was not able to get Andrew um, to be able to join us for this episode, but he will be on the uh, episodes in the future, you know, moving, moving forward. So today it's just me. I know a lot of disappointment there. <laughs> just kidding. No, we're going to have a great show. Um, I, today I'm going to be kind of your, your tour guide in around and through the subject of mental health. I got a great show lined up for us today. Uh, again, just if you've kind of been listening to the uh, last couple of episodes, you know that we're, we're kind of building off of that, that first episode, which was, you know, your, your story matters. And then we went into the first part of the fault in our thoughts, which talked about, you know, Eric Erickson's uh, first four uh, psychosocial developmental stages, uh, that theory that was there. And, um, Today is going to be part two. So you're in for, you're in for a real treat because not only today are we going to be talking about, you know, cognitive and, and thinking distortions. Uh, we're going to be talking about stuck points and we're going to be talking about ways to challenge those thoughts and to, um, to, to kind of redirect, reframe and, uh, how that, how that's going to be beneficial for you moving forward in the future. Um, I want to, I really just want to say real quick how much I, I appreciate the love and support that has just kind of poured out since we, we've started this podcast. It's been absolutely amazing. If you guys could see what I see, um, you would understand what I'm talking about. You know, just watching the analytics for the podcast and seeing how many times it's been downloaded and, you know, what's, what's going on with this podcast, not to mention the support on social media. Uh, we, we're picking up speed. You know, we're three episodes in, um, and it, this is really kind of building something from the, from the ground up here. Not that, you know, a mental health podcast is, is a new thing on the scene, but the, the way of, you know, getting support and, and having people listen to this podcast has been absolutely amazing. And, and in no way, shape or form, can I deny that you all of you that are listening are a direct part of that. So I want to say thank you for all of the support. And I, I just hope that we can keep that ball rolling, keep it coming over, over the uh, ensuing episodes, however long this, this podcast lasts, which I, I really hope to, you know, continue this for, for a, a long time into the future. I think the information is absolutely pertinent and it's relevant to um, our everyday lives and, and the things that we're experiencing and we need to talk about it. It's mental health, you know, it's, it's, it's personal health. It's everyday, everyday health that we need to address. Um, I, I, so Andrew and I have been talking, we've been talking about the podcast, um, offline. We've been talking about, you know, things that we would like to do to improve the, uh, the episodes. Uh, one of those being, you know, trying to narrow and, and shorten the time down for the episodes, because we, we don't want people to just kind of be drowned in information and have to sit there and listen to us drone on for, you know, an hour, 25 minutes. Um, we want to shorten it down. We want to narrow the, the time frame for doing the podcast. We want to 
to make sure that the information that we're putting out is pertinent. It's, it's absolutely relevant to the topic at hand. You know, we're, we're growing in this as we're doing it. So we've been talking about a lot of different things. We're going to add, um, kind of like an icebreaker segment to the podcast. Um, obviously, you know, we're, we're not going to be doing the icebreaker today, uh, because that's, that's just me, but we want to add like an icebreaker. We want to do like, you know, a, a psychology fact of the day. We want to do a challenge for the week um, that we kind of extend to all of you. And then we are also uh, considering doing kind of a, a, a gift card giveaway. Um, and there's going to be an attached kind of challenge to that as well. And we'll end up at the end of the month, picking a, picking a winner of that challenge. They'll, they'll get a shout out on the podcast. And then we'll also, um, we'll also be sending them a gift card, um, of, of varying amounts. Can't give a, a specific dollar amount right now, but it'll either be to restaurant of your choice or, you know, retail store of your, your choice. So, a lot of things that we're, we're working on here, we're trying to fine tune some of the details. So if things seem a little wonky, just bear with us. We, we're working hard to improve this show because we want to make sure that we're doing right by you. And that is the person listening to this podcast, the person that may in fact be in need of this information. So we don't want to, we don't want to stray too far from, from the path that we're on, but we do want to make this, we want to make this a good show. You guys deserve that. You deserve to have something that you can listen to that that's fun um, in some ways. I mean, obviously, the subject of mental health is is not the uh, most fun subject to talk about, but it's important. So we want to we want to see what we can do here. Um, if you're connected to us uh, via social media uh, and, and when I say via social media, I'm talking Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, obviously Twitter and Facebook would be the big ones where you could send us messages and kind of let us know what your thoughts are. You know, we, we would really appreciate to hear from any and all of you, you know, I mean, let us know what, what, what are some challenges that you're facing in life? You know, what are some things that you think that you would like to hear uh, more information about on this podcast? Because we, we want to, we want to push relevant information. We don't want to sit here and just talk about, you know, uh, theories. We don't want to talk about, you know, um, we don't want to talk about things that people, people really don't need to hear about. And, uh, we're talking about everyday issues. So we're talking about anxiety, depression, you know, potential PTSD. We're talking about a lot of different subjects and the way that, you know, those, those, uh, affect our lives on a daily basis. So obviously, uh, we want that information to remain relevant. So as I said before, all right, we are on the fault in our thoughts, part two, right? We're, we're, we're building off of what we did in part one. Uh, again, we talked about Eric Erickson's theory of psychosocial development. We talked about those first four really critical childhood stages. We also talked about the way that our past based on those developmental uh, years and, and Erickson's theory causes distortions in our thought process. It's important to make that, that correlation. It's important to make that connection from the past to where you're at today. That is the entire premise behind cognitive theory, right? Uh, cognitive psychology is built on the fact that our, our thoughts are, are the biggest, one of the biggest factors to, you know, the, the behavioral concerns and, and our, our ability to uh, think and, and reframe and organize information successfully in our heads 
so that it, it comes out in our, our behaviors. So we're, we're spending a lot of time focused on, you know, this, this kind of cognitive psychology, which is by far, it's, it's the one that I, I appreciate the most, not to say that, you know, the other, um, the other theories don't hold any water because they absolutely do. I mean, there, there's no argument or, or refuting that, but I, I'm a true believer in the cognitive, uh, cognitive psychology. So understanding that our thoughts are heavily connected to events of the past and those events of the past cause those distortions in our thinking process. And then because our thinking process, our thought process is distorted, our behaviors come out in kind, right? So we, we think, therefore we behave. It's kind of that, 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 uh, it's kind of that, that direction that that goes. Uh, so let, let's, take a moment here and let's just kind of let's get into this i hope you all had a great week look we, we do these podcasts on the weekend because I, I i want to have time to go through the information myself i want to make sure that i've got everything together um, i do a lot of preparation throughout the week um, and some weeks are challenging it's it's not easy so i know i don't want to do these on a on a weekday i want to put them out over the weekend give people a chance to kind of digest that and go forward so i hope you guys had a good week i, I I know, uh, just even talking to Andrew, we, we had a really good week at work. Um, I, I know I've said it at least once before, and I'm going to continue to say it. We, we do work at mentally strong in Colorado Springs. Um, both Andrew and I are psychoeducational counselors there. Um, what we do is not licensed therapy. All right. I want, I want to make that very clear. What, what we do on this podcast, the opinions, the thoughts, the ideas that we express here, I, I don't want anybody to think that this is, this is licensed counseling advice, all right? We're putting information out there, information that hopefully people will take in and digest and be able to utilize to advocate for themselves, to go out and actually seek the help that they need. So if you need a disclaimer, there it is. We're, we're working on one um, that we're going to have pre-recorded, and we're going to play that on the shows. But I want people to know I, you're not you're not listening to a licensed professional right now. Okay, you're listening to somebody who has a lot of life experience. You're listening to someone who um, has a, a really good understanding of cognitive behavioral therapy, cognitive theory, um, and, and somebody that's actually in school. Right? Like academically, I'm working towards my licensure, but right now that is not where I'm at. So uh, we work at Mentally Strong. We do psychoeducational counseling, utilizing a method that is based on cognitive behavioral therapy. So the principles, the ideals, you know, the 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 way that cognitive behavior, cognitive behavioral therapy uh, challenges our thought processes, and then you know analyzes and, and looks at the behaviors, kind of extending from those thought processes. It's all there, right? It's just it's just given in a different way, I guess. Um, well, everybody on staff, absolutely fantastic. All the counselors that are there, um, are, are just absolutely amazing people. They're excellent at what they do. They're very passionate about what they do. Just like Andrew and I, they're, they're extremely passionate about the field of mental health. And most of them are either in school or they're in an internship or, you know, there's just a, people are, people are working there and they're in different places academically. Um, and, and you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I mean, you, you're looking at, you're looking at people, right? So there's a lot of great information to be had there. So if you're in the Colorado Springs area or one of the surrounding areas, please reach out. You can find us at mentallystrong.com. There is a phone number listed on the website. I, um, 
there are the counselor profiles on the website. So you can go in and look at each of the individual counselors, kind of read their bio and, you know, you can kind of get a feel for who you may be talking to. Um, if, if that's what you're going there for. Um, we also do psychiatric medication management. So if you, um, are either a, uh, someone who is already getting their, their psychiatric meds from another, um, practitioner and you just want to kind of consolidate your care into one place, you can absolutely do that. We, we will take that over. Um, we will have a nurse practitioner, a psychiatric nurse, pra nurse practitioner will see you every single time you're in that office, right? There's going to be time set aside for you to be able to do that. Uh, and you know, you, it's kind of, it's kind of just providing like Dr. B wants that access to care. She wants people to, to get what they need and not have to, you know, beg, borrow, still plead, you know, with their insurance company to get in there, to get it done. Uh, this is one person that I can say, um, and, and everybody there is extremely passionate, but as Dr. B is the one that, that started that practice, she has a huge heart. She cares about people. She wants to see people succeed. And she really is her mission statement. The mission statement for mentally strong is, you know, just, just revolutionizing the field of mental health care, right? That's what we want to do is revolutionizing this field. We want to provide access to care. We want people to come in there and know that they're, they're seen, they're heard and that they're taken care of. And that is mentally strong to a T. Um, some exciting news. One of our nurse practitioners, uh, she is opening her own mentally strong location in Parker, Colorado. So a little bit further north from where we're at, uh, that grand opening is going to be on April 14th. And then she's going to start building up from there. So really exciting things happening there as well. Mentally strong is expanding. It's moving out. Um, we're, we're, we're seeing excellent, excellent, excellent results based on, you know, the hard work um, that everyone has put in at that, at that clinic. There's absolutely a need for it. <clears throat> so, um, now that we've talked about that, let's talk about distortions in our thinking. <laughs> um, so building off of what we talked about last week, again, we, we talked about the first four developmental stages of Eric Erickson's theory of psychosocial development. I uh, hope you guys got a lot of information out of that. It's really interesting stuff. When you start looking at those stages of development and the, the, the way that our thoughts can potentially form uh, during those stages, I mean, it's, it's absolutely, uh, it's, it's extremely interesting how that, that process takes place and how that can be unique for each and every, every person that, that goes through those phases, nothing is ever going to be exactly the same. So there is no standard here. There is just an idea and understanding, right. And, and, and you know, the theory right behind all of it. So what we want to do is we, we really want to look at what distortions in thinking are, and we need to identify what, what is the stuck point and how do we challenge both of these things? So, so I'm kind of opening up my, my stuff here. I've got my notes sitting in front of me. Um, the first thing that we're going to look at is we're going to look at cognitive distortions that, that cause negative thought patterns, negative and ne negative patterns of thinking. So the first one on here that you need to kind of consider is all or nothing thinking it's called all or nothing thinking. So if you think about all or nothing, it really is as it sounds, it's either all this or it's not at all. So it, it really is a very black and white, black and white way of thinking and it's very polarizing and it's, and it's, in its process. So either everything is, is good 
or it is bad. It's either a success or a failure, right? So if you look at things in those terms, then you might be utilizing all or nothing thinking. All right. Um, this is where people, you know, they, they'll attempt to do something in life, you know, they'll take a shot um, you know, and, and try something. And if they fail, they just see themselves as, you know, they <laughs> make whatever, whatever uh, distinction here that you, you want to, but you know, I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. Right. I'm, I'm all of these really negative things. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that all of you can, can look back and you can think about, you know, times in your life where all or nothing thinking may have been a part of your, your cognitive process. And then what I want you to do is think about how did that, how did that alter your behavior? If you utilize all or nothing thinking, what did that do after you, you had those thoughts? That's what I, I want people to try and consider in this podcast. Uh, the second one is, um, overgeneralizing over overgeneralization. All right. It happens when you make a rule after a single event or a series of coincidences. So it's, it's utilizing, uh, words like always or never frequently and, and where they appear in the, in the sentence structure. Right. So it's like, you know, um, I, uh, I'm thinking of an example here. I'm sure you probably, you probably have your own in your head where you're thinking about, you know, utilizing those terms always or never, I always fail or I, I always miss, uh, miss out on family events or, you know, people always, people always, uh, talk to me a certain type of way or people all, or people are always, always going to be hateful. You know, however you look at that, right. There are examples that you can use when you're talking about, you know, overgeneralization, obviously, you know, the word itself, um, it really does kind of say it all. You're just overgeneralizing a situation. Uh, the next one is kind of looking at, you know, these, these mental filters, right? What are a mental filter? It's the opposite of overgeneralizing, but with the same negative outcome. So instead of really just taking one small event and generalizing it inappropriately, that mental filter takes that one small event and then it focuses on nothing else but that event. So this one really, it would be ignoring important parts in, in my, in my way of, of kind of interpreting this. So you're ignoring important parts. You're hyper-focused on a very, very tiny, very small detail. And, and the way that I kind of equated this to other people, <laughs> and, it, and it may be kind of funny and you may have better examples, but I equated this to like, you know, you're standing, you're standing in front of a mural, right. Or a painting or something, right. You know, and you, you walk and you get really close to it to where your nose is almost touching it. Right. Or absolutely on it. And, and really, you know, you, you want to, you want to ask people what's happening or what, what, what that mural is depicting. And all they can really see is what, what's directly in front of their face. Um, and, and it's, it's a very interesting dynamic, you know, when you hone in on and you focus on a very small, uh, event or detail, and then you, you make it so much bigger than what it really is. You hyper-focus on that, on that piece. So I, I'm sure you all can, can think back just like we did with, you know, the, the last two think back think back, try and remember a time where you may have used this, this mental filter, this, this process of ignoring everything else and hyper-focusing on something very small. Um, so 
the next one that I have one here is discounting the positive. So completely ignoring or invalidating, you know, the, the good things that have happened to you and just hyper-focusing, right? Again, here's that word, but just ignoring any of the positive or the positive aspects of, of a situation of your life, of the world, and really just focusing on the negative. So just a complete discount and it almost goes with that all or nothing type of thinking really some of these some of these do kind of coalesce they they work together so if you're doing one you may be able to kind of see that link in the chain that connects you to the other one completely but discounting the positive so just just ignoring or rejecting any of the positive things that that uh, apply to that that situation to your life to you know that thought process right um and I'm sure you guys have better examples uh, within your own life, you know, where you have done that from from time to time. All right. So moving on, the next one is jumping to conclusions. Right. And um, there there are two distinctive ways that that people kind of look at jumping to conclusions. Obviously, we know that we're we're doing this mind reading type of thing, right? And I used to do it when I was a kid, you know. And, and I've had my kids do that to me, and I'm sure a lot of you have experienced this um, either in childhood or as an adult, as a parent, um, or in other circumstances as well. But this whole mind reading thing, when I was a kid, you know, and I wanted to go and ask permission for something, <laughs> there there would be times where I would go and I would ask my dad something, and be like, "Hey, Dad, you're probably going to say no, but." And then I would ask my question. I prefaced it because in my mind, the the assumption that I was making was that my dad was already going to say no to a situation, right? So I would ask him, "Can I go spend the night with so and so?" And in my mind, I'm like, "Well, he's gonna he's gonna say no. He's gonna give me a hundred different reasons as to why I can't do that." I'm 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 assuming I know what my father is gonna say based on maybe maybe just a collection of past experiences but maybe i'm also discounting or or um ignoring the times that he did say yes and i'm just hyper focused on on that that no i'm hyper focused on that no because when i want something the last thing i want is something standing in my way but maybe you know yeah, you, you get it. You understand it. So the mind reading is it's making an assumption that you know what someone is thinking or how they're going to react before it happens, right? Or you're you're just thinking some someone is is thinking something that they aren't. I've talked to people about this too, and this one this one can be uh, a real stickler. You know, people that have uh, real serious social anxiety going out into public, they see themselves in a certain type of way. Their internal dialogue is telling them something, and so they're projecting that. They're putting that on everyone else. Well, if I see it, they see it too, right? So it it, it really does kind of follow that that same line of logic. Um. The other way of jumping to conclusions is something that would be like predicting the future, telling, you know, fortune telling, predicting the future, predicting events will unfold in a specific way, often to uh, avoid trying something difficult. Um, and there are plenty of ways to um, look at that 
you know, I'm, I, and again, I'm, I'm kind of leaving this open to the individual to kind of look at their thought process, you know, the way that they've been nurtured and raised throughout the years. And I want them to be able to make that, that connection to these things. So if, if fortune telling, right, is something, so it'd be like somebody saying like, well, I'm not going to go to college. I'm not going to go back to school. You know, I, I've got kids, I've got, you know, I've got work, I've got, and they're, they're making all these excuses. It's, it's difficult, but their assumption is that they're going to fail because they don't have, or they don't see how they can make time to do something else. Right. So this is just one example of that. You, you avoid trying to do something because you you're making an assumption. You're assuming once again, you're jumping to a conclusion about the outcome of that event. Right. So the next one that we're going to look at is they, they call it, they call it magnification here. I, I really, I call it exaggerating. So it's exaggerating. It's overstating, right? The, the significance of it's <laughs> the way it's stated here is exaggerating the importance of shortcomings and problems while minimizing the importance of desirable quality. So you're, you're really exaggerating the negative. You're really blowing it out of proportion. Um, whereas when you, when you start looking at kind of some of the other things, right, the mental filter where you're minimizing, you're, you're really putting things down to a very narrow, a very narrow view and exaggerating is taking one thing and is blowing it way out of proportion, right? Um, <clears throat> something bad happens. You see this as proof of your own failures, right? It, it reconstitutes, it, it re, um, it, it brings up something inside of us that, that says that, okay, because this happens, see, it proves that you are X, Y, or Z, right? Proof of your own failures. But when good things happen, you minimize their importance, right? And this, again, this is a trait that, that rolls back into the, the understanding of esteem, the way that we feel about ourselves, right? So proof is like, you know, failing a test in school or, not doing very well, um, you know, on an assignment, um, that you're given, or you, you mess something up at work. You know, we, we're all human beings. We have faults. We, we fail, we fall short, you know, everything that we do requires a lot of effort and a, and a lot of, of buildup, right? You know, you're building skills. So when something fails or it goes wrong, you know, we tend to, we tend to roll back to, you know, these, these thoughts of, well, this just confirms the way that I feel about myself in a, in a very negative light. So we also have emotional reasoning, which is um, really judging your, your circumstances based on your emotions. Um, because you're experiencing a negative emotion, it must accurately reflect reality, right? Because you feel a certain type of way, right? It's like you showing up at work, you're in a bad mood and all of your coworkers are laughing and having a good time, slapping hands, right? And you're in a nasty mood for one reason or another or the opposite, right? Somebody else is in a bad mood and you're in a good mood. It doesn't really matter, but um, it, it, to you and that distorted way of thinking, it, it really does kind of reflect what you, what your view is on reality, right? it means that you're viewing everything in a very negative kind of context. Um, feelings of guilt. Um, if you, if you're, if you feel experiences or if you feel experience feelings of guilt, 
emotional reasoning would lead you to conclude that you are a bad person, right? So if you do something right and and you feel guilty about it afterwards, you, you start to believe that you're a bad person. So this is a way of using the emotions to really kind of guide that thought process, which then affects, you know, that internal dialogue, again, falling back to that esteem piece. And then it, it really does kind of have a, a really significant effect as we move on. All right. So think about that. You know, have you, do you, use emotional reasoning and your, and your thinking process. And if you do think of, think of some really specific examples that you can provide to yourself that you've reinforced, right? You've kind of used this attentional bias, right? To reinforce these beliefs that you have about yourself based on, you know, these, these irrational or illogical thought processes and emotional reasoning is one that really does kind of fall under that category because what, what we're doing is we're reinforcing, reinforcing these negative beliefs that we have about ourselves because we're paying attention to things that are negative. All right. So we, we have to be really, really careful really careful because this one is, it's, it's a very common way that people think they think through, you know, this emotional type of reasoning and, and it can have really significant, uh, effects. The next one on here is should statements, right? It involves, um, you know, always thinking about things that you think you should or must, must do. And if you do not do those things, then you start to experience feelings of guilt or failure. Um, or shame to some extent, right? I should be doing this, right? But you know, I'm not. We 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 often look at our lives on on this very linear type of track, and we're we're saying, well, here's where I'm at, and here's you know somebody that that actually has a vision for their life. They're like, well, here's where I want to go, but I'm not motivated to do that, you know. So I'm I'm sitting here and, and I'm doing something else, you know, maybe uh, unproductive or whatever it is, and so they start feeling like a, a failure, or they start feeling this sense of guilt, you know, like I'm you know all these negative feelings really start to kind of rise out of these should statements. So think about that too. What are some times, what are some points in your life where, where should statements have existed or do exist that maybe you need to take some time to challenge, right? Um, next one is labeling, right? This, this really is, as it sounds, you are labeling yourself or other people, um, based on, you know, the way that you think, right? Your, your, your cognitive distortion, um, causes you to make a judgment about yourself or someone else as a person rather than, than observing the behavior, looking at the behavior, uh, as something that the person did that doesn't define them as an individual. Right. And, and we're talking about this, there are a multitude of factors in play here, or there are a lot of things that, that cause people to behave in such a way. And it, it really does kind of, it really does kind of, kind of throws us for a loop, if you will, by applying these labels. And we're, we're living in a time where everybody wants to label everything and everyone and everything should be, you know, it, it should be, um, collected and, and placed into its appropriate category. Right. So we were applying labels left and right. And, and I'm not going to get into this in any deep kind of way, but I'm sure you all understand and you, you kind of get what I'm saying. We've got to be really careful, right? People are people. And if, if you say you care about people, then you got to care about all people. You can't just care about, you know, the ones that are, are saying the same thing that you are boom roasted. All right. <clears throat> so the labeling, all right. Cognitive distortion that involves making a judgment about yourself or someone else as a person, rather than seeing the behavior as something the person did that doesn't define them as an individual. 
we, we all make mistakes. We all fail at things. We all fall short. You know, those things are absolutely true. So whether you're challenging yourself or someone else based on, on a behavior, that behavior doesn't necessarily define you, right? You may not understand it, but it doesn't define you. There's, there's, you know, a, a, your ability to challenge the accuracy of your assumptions, right, is, is really what we need here. So we need to look for ev- evidence that counters the negative thought. Remind yourself of the difference between opinions and facts, right? You need to understand the difference between those two things. I think we, we kind of convolute those, you know, the line is, is really blurred, um, when it, when it starts coming to looking at, at, you know, the difference between opinions and facts, but we all need to exercise a little bit of that in our lives. All right. Uh, personalization and blame. All right. Um, personalization and blame is, you know, where you, you blame yourself or someone else for a situation that occurred. All right. And then for the, the, the events that took place after that. Right. So you, you know, you can obviously understand, you know, what, what personalization or blame really kind of does. But when you look at it, you know, at least from the context of, of my life, right. You know, being sexually molested at a very young age, um, could, you know, set off a, a chain of events. A lot of things that I didn't understand as a young kid and, and, you know, well through my adolescent and early adult years. And so looking back, I, I really could point the finger at one person specifically, or a, a few different people specifically, and I could, I could apply blame in those situations. Right. So <clears throat> we got to be really careful when we're, when we're engaging in personalization and blame, because really what it does is it, it, it takes the, the responsibility of our life off of our shoulders. And we try and, we try and put that emphasis, that, that power and that control onto someone else. You see this a lot with people who have been, um, violently assaulted, um, you know, either sexually, physically, um, you know, and, and you can, you can, uh, think about what, you know, some of those situations might look like, but they, they, they feel like their power has been taken away from them. And the reason that their power has been taken away from them is because they, they kind of get stuck in this cycle, this personalization and blame cycle. They look at, at the way that their life progresses from, from those points, from those moments, and they can pinpoint that back to, you know, a, a very specific event in their life. And they're looking at that person. You're the reason why I have X, Y, and Z. You're the reason why I can't do this or all these different things. They're giving power over to that individual because of the personalization and the blame. So it's extremely necessary for us to understand personalization and blame and we, we need to know how to, how to deal with that, right? We need to be able to, instead of blaming yourself for something that happened, you know, it, there, there's a piece of that where, you know, you consider the external factors, you consider other people, right? And, and, and going back to, you know, emotional reasoning and, and other things, I, I look at, you know, some of the people that hurt me in the past, and the way that I was able to really quantify that and overcome it was by understanding that those people that, that tend to act out against other people have had that happen to them in some way, shape or form, right? Nobody just wakes up and, and decides that they want to start, you know, just being a terrible person or doing terrible things in their life, but it, it happens. And there is a, there's a reason for it. There, there's not an excuse for it. 
but there is absolutely a reason for it. And so we live in a society where things are very punitive um, and really they want to punish people that are perpetrators that do these things. Obviously, you know, that, that, that tracks, it, it makes sense in a lot of cases, but we also have to understand that, that we're not, we shouldn't just be punitive. We should be reformative. We should be helping these people to understand the nature of their behavior, their thought processes and help them to change those. But that that's a conversation for another episode. <laughs> all right. So those are your, those are your thinking distortions, right? Um, hopefully those made sense and you can kind of quantify and understand those things based off of, you know, what we, what we talked about here. If you do have any, any additional questions about those, I, I would very much, very much encourage someone to, uh, reach out and, um, reach out and ask questions. You know, if there's anything that I can do to, to kind of help point you in the right direction, I absolutely will do that. Um, we just have to, you know, we have to take some time. We've got to do some introspection. We've got to think about our life from where we were to where we are now. And we've got to, we've got to understand how we've been affected. And when we understand how we've been affected, that gives us an opportunity to change, to reframe, rewire, to, to make better choices moving forward in life. And there, there are absolutely ways to do that. All right. So one of the ways that they do that is they, they kind of use, um, they use these worksheets and I'm not, I'm not going to go into great detail about that, but obviously, you know, this is, this is about challenging these beliefs, these thoughts, these ideas. But before I get into that, I, I want to touch on this, this last piece. Um, and this is stuck points, right? So what is the stuck point? Stuck points are negative beliefs that keep survivors in fear, anger, shame, guilt, avoidance, and intrusive symptoms of PTSD. So these are beliefs that are formulated after, after an activating event. Something happens, people find themselves having these, these stuck points, these beliefs, and, and possibly those are about themselves or uh, other people or the world around them. These stuck points are very real, and, and they, they are these beliefs, these negative beliefs that we, we internalize and we keep with ourselves because of an event that we've experienced. And oftentimes, right, more often than not, I would say probably 99.9% .9 of the time, our stuck points are wrong. They're wrong. So for an example, as far as, uh, you know, stuck points go, um, me, I, I had an, an entire list of them and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But when you start thinking about it, right, you know, there's an element of building a relationship where trust is built into that relationship. You, you really can't have a relationship with someone that you don't trust. That's not a relationship that is coexisting in the same space and monitoring the behavior of an individual. Um, so trust is definitely there. So when, when you go through an experience in life and, and I'll just point out again, being sexually molested, it, it breaks trust. When that trust is broken, it's really hard to build it back because especially at an early age, you've been hurt by somebody that, that you, you trusted somebody that you knew somebody that you believed in. And so if those people are willing to do that, the mind starts to formulate this belief that if somebody close to me would do that, then, you know, absolutely strangers would too. Right? So the stuck point that I got from this is <clears throat> if I, if I trust other people, I will end up being taken advantage of and hurt again. Right. So if I, if I attempt to trust other people, I will be hurt, right. Taken advantage of again. Um, and so 
you know, when it comes to identifying, understanding stuck points, you got to, you got to be able to identify the situation, right? The activating events, something happened. It caused you to believe something, right? You tell yourself something based on the event. And then there's a consequence. And that consequence is the way that you feel right regarding that situation. And that could be feelings pointed towards you, the individual that could be feelings pointed towards, you know, a perpetrator or, the, or someone else, or it can be feelings generated about the world around you. There are plenty of people who, who get into this process of having stuck points because they've gone through some very traumatic things in their life. And, you know, let's say it happens in childhood. You grow up with this mentality that the world is, is full of, of, you know, people that are going to take advantage of you and they're only serving their own self-interest. I mean, that is the absolute definition of cynicism of being a cynic is that people only serve their own self-interest and they, they will not make an attempt to, to care or take care of other people around them. So we, we gain these beliefs based on situations that have taken place in our life and then our feelings, right? The emotion that, that really does uh, boil up because of that situation, right? So now that you know what stuck points are, here, here, are, here are the things that you need to pay attention to. One is when I, when I was going through my therapeutic process, I, um, I was undergoing cognitive, cognitive processing therapy. So CPT, um, it's, it's utilized a great deal by the VA, especially in the treatment of, you know, significant trauma. So PTSD, uh, anxiety, depression, things of that nature that are attached to very significant traumatic events. So, uh, obviously you can constitute, you know, some of the things that happened during childhood as trauma, I certainly do. Um, and then, you know, you're also talking about, you know, PTSD from, from, uh, combat situations. So they utilize CPT and, um, part of this process was identifying stuck points. So going through that process of, of looking at my thoughts in general, right? The, the therapist that I was working with was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have, or we're going to create what's called a stuck point log. This is literally like a sheet of paper and it's got lines, you know, you don't even have to number them. And he's like, all right, you'll write one stuck point per line, you know, as you're going, going through. And, and sometimes, sometimes you only have a few that need to be challenged, or at least that you've identified that need to be challenged. And then sometimes you can fill that entire page and probably 10 more. It, it really depends on the individual. It depends on their, their self-awareness. It depends on their ability to look back at the past and, and understand, you know, events that took place there and where their thought process is now. Um, but, you know, when you start to look at these, these situations and then you understand the stuck points, you write them down, right? All of them. As far as challenging stuck points, how that goes or, you know, challenging the belief that, that you've, you've, uh, you've picked up, right? The first thing that you want to do is kind of challenge that you want to challenge that stuck point. So, you know, there's a worksheet for that. It's called the, the ABC worksheet. And, and obviously, um, <clears throat> if you want to work on challenging stuck points, I, I highly recommend that you find somebody who is uh, qualified and licensed uh, to help you work through that. But I'm going to briefly kind of break this down. So what you would end up doing is kind of stating the activating event, right? You want to write the event out that, that actually took place. Then you want to go in, you want to write down what that belief is, what that stuck point is that, that came from that activating event. And then you want to write down the feelings, the emotions that were, you know, um, that were 
that came up as a result of that belief, right? And that situation as a whole, right? And then obviously, look, here's something that I've noticed is that, you know, in the, in the process of doing therapy, there are a lot of what, what seem to be rhetorical questions that are kind of being asked, but they're being asked for a reason because maybe you're not considering those things, right? So one of the questions is, are my thoughts in, in that belief column realistic or helpful? Clearly, I mean, if it's a stuck point, it's a problem, right? And, and We'll, we'll jump to that in here in just a minute, but the obvious answer is no. So when I'm talking to people and I'm working with people and we're kind of going through this process of challenging their negative internal dialogue, I ask that question, is this helpful? How does this thought help you? How does, how is this thought helping you to get from where you're at today to your personal vision in the future? Or is it no? And then the, the, with the no, I just kind of, kind of throw that comment in there. And then I ask that question, why, why is this not helpful? That's kind of tough sometimes to think of, think of a really adequate answer. You know, the, the obvious answer is no, it's not helpful because, you know, obviously if I spent a lot of time, you know, thinking on negative things of the past or, you know, doing some of those, those things like blaming other people or minimizing or mind reading or overgeneralizing or oversimplifying, right? Whatever any of those are, obviously I'm not doing myself any favors. So it's good to, it's good to ask the question, right? Even though, you know, you, you may be sitting there like, oh man, this is kind of rhetorical. You ask the question and then you get the why, why is it not helpful? And if people have an understanding of what distorted thinking types look like, hopefully the hope is that they can, they can start to see how those patterns play out and those beliefs. The question on there is what can I tell myself on such occasions in the future? where I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this, this stuck point coming back up or my belief in, in, in that stuck point is, is going back up. Right. Because the obvious, the obvious part of this is that we're, we're challenging these beliefs because we want to, we really want to dismantle them as much as possible. And that comes in the form of a different worksheet, which would really just kind of be challenging those beliefs, right? So you would describe the situation, right? And in, in the first column, describe the situation event that, 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 um, that led to the unpleasant, you know, thought, um, that you tell yourself that stuck point, right? Then you would write the thought or the stuck point related to that situation that you wrote down in section a, and then you would rate that stuck point from zero to 100%. So you, you rate it as a percent, that percent identifies how much you actually believe that that stuck point, that thought. And then you go through the emotion, right? You, you specify the, whatever the emotion is, and then you rate each emotion from zero to 100%. How much did you feel that emotion for this situation, for this belief, right? And then comes the fun part. This is the fun part because this is the one that makes people really aggravated because this is where they start to see the, the flaw in their, in their thinking and, the, and their thought patterns, right? And this comes with the challenging questions, right? The challenging thoughts. So you ask things like, what is the evidence for? What is the evidence against? Is it a habit or a fact? Is it not including all the information? Is it all or none? Is it extreme or exaggerated? Is it focused on just one piece? Is the source dependable? Um, are we confusing possible with likely? Is this based on feelings or facts? 
And are we focusing on unrelated parts? And so using that, that knowledge, that information, right, they, they'll answer all those questions and then they're going to identify the pattern. Sorry, they're going to identify the pattern of problematic thinking or the distorted thinking pattern that they're utilizing to justify that thought. And, and the, that's, those are the ones that we, we had addressed earlier, the jumping to conclusions, the exaggerations or minimizing of, of situations, ignoring important parts, the oversimplifying, the overgeneralizing, the mind reading and the emotional reasoning. So all of those things, when they can start to identify what they've done, right, they can identify the distortion in their thought process they understand that their stuck point is not accurate. So once you go through this process, they go to the next section, which is the alternative thought. What else can I say? What what else can I say? How do I rephrase? How do I restate that, that stuck point, that thought now, now that I, now that I've challenged it, how do I restate that? And so they, they would do this part and then they would rate that belief, right? The re the restatement, they would rate that one from zero to a hundred percent. And then once they've done that, they go on to the next part, which is, okay, let's go back. Let's restate the old stuck point, the old thought that you had, and let's re-rate it. Let's see where you're at with that stuck point and that thought. Now, the hope is that through this process, through being able to identify the the distortions in their thought process and then utilizing challenging questions and the identification of the stuck points and understanding the situation and the emotions and all of those different things behind it, the, the hope is that that percentage goes down, right? Obviously. And it may not completely go away. It may still be there. Somebody may write, you know, well, I believe it about 20% now. Whereas they had it at like 85, 90, 95% before there's still more work to do. You, you don't just change the way you think about things in one, in one session. This is a process of teaching somebody the skills that they need to take out into the world with them and utilize those tools in order to challenge these, these distortions in their thought process. See, the, the thing about counseling, the thing about therapy, the thing about what we do is that we are not, we're, we're not here to be a crutch. We're here to be, we're here to teach. We're here to teach you how to reframe, rewire, and, and make better decisions based on, based on the change that you've made in your thought processes to get you from where you're at today to your personal vision for the future. That includes building your mental strength because you are, you are reorganizing your thoughts. You're challenging your distorted thought patterns. You are providing adequate information and data to challenge those thoughts. And when you do that, there, there's a, an understanding and a clarity that comes along with that. And then a personal sense of empowerment that comes along with being able to walk this process out. It's absolutely amazing. The last block on here is, is again, it's in reference to the emotion, but now what do you feel? So it's going back and asking you to talk about the emotional component again. So you're not just restating the, the stuck point and, and, and looking at how far that's gone down. You also look at the emotion as well. 
I have to say, um, through my through my journey in mental health, I will tell you right now that nothing has been more compelling towards my my understanding, my clarity for the future than doing these. These identifying these stuck points, identifying, you know, these distortions in my thought process, and then challenging those. Those have proven to be the most productive part of, of my, my therapeutic sessions. There are other things that were really good. There were other things that we did that were absolutely necessary, but nothing was more compelling. Nothing was more effective on, on me than doing this. So this is why I, I really wanted to talk about this because we, we go through life obviously. I mean, that's kind of a no dust statement, but we're born, we're raised, we're nurtured. We find ourselves in situations, right? It's life. Life is never perfect. No matter how much money you have, no matter how much power you have, there is no such thing as a perfect life. People are going to go through things. They're going to formulate ideas, opinions, biases. Their perspective is going to be based on, on what they've lived through. And the way that they formulate, generate thoughts, which are heavily tied to what they've been through. It, it, it all makes sense. It's all there. The information, all the pieces, they all fit together. You get to be your own detective. You get to go back and you get to look at your life and you get to say, you know what? Maybe the reason why I'm, I'm angry all the time is because of this, this, and this. And maybe the reason I'm angry is because I've been in, a, in a, just a constant state of negative thinking since this event occurred. It's absolutely amazing what, what, what the brain is capable of doing either on the conscious or subconscious level. It's amazing because the brain it, it, it's actively in the background, it's actively working to protect you, the person. And so the brain doesn't have a problem lying to you. The brain doesn't have a problem interpreting information in, in one way, shape or form. And then, and then utilizing that information to try and protect you. But, but you you have the responsibility to collect the accurate information, to challenge the negative beliefs, the, the negative thought patterns that you have based on the information that you've collected over the years. Because it's easy to get off track. It's easy to feel terrible about yourself. It's easy to talk negatively to yourself. It's easy to look at the world as a terrible place. It's easy to do all of those negative things. The difficult part is providing accurate information to challenge those thoughts, to bring the positivity to the surface, to look at things differently, to challenge our thought process, our mind. So look, you know, nothing about this process is going to be easy. It's, it's extremely difficult. And I, and I do know that when I was going through this, I saw a lot of mental and emotional fluctuation. There were days where I was, I was back in the deep, dark pits of my, my depression, my anxiety, my inability to, you know, engage in productive relationships. I mean, there, there's no end to the, the negative outcomes of living a life so skewed and broken based on events that took place in, in my younger years. And I'm sure a, a lot of you can say some very similar things. That's why we started with the fault in our thoughts. 
Because once we understand and we learn how to challenge our negative or distorted thinking patterns, we start challenging our stuck points in life, those things that, that keep us chained and tied down to those, those really terrible events that take place in our life. When we can start challenging those, yeah, yeah, we find some freedom. We find some clarity, some understanding, and we start making choices that are more in line with where we want to go in life. We find that mental strength. This process, people, people talk about mental health care in such negative ways. They talk about, you know, that people that go and seek mental health care are weak. No, no, they're not. No, no, no. If you're listening to this podcast and you're questioning whether or not you should reach out to somebody, do it. Reach out to them 110%. If you broke your arm, you go to the doctor. If, if a number of things happen to you physically, you would go in and you would seek treatment. And yet the, the command center, the control center of the, of the body is deemed right with, with such a negative. It's, 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 it is labeled so negatively when things start to go bad that, that people won't reach out and, and try and get help for themselves. And there are a lot of different factors that, that go into play here. And I, I'm not going to touch on each and every one, but what I am going to do is I'm going to encourage you to advocate for yourself. Get out there, go and seek the help that you need. Don't wait on somebody else's permission. This is your life. Don't forget that. This is you. You live your life. You make the decisions regarding the path that you're going to forge moving forward, not the other people around you. Unless they're, <laughs> unless they're willing to pay your way for the rest of your life and, and you're never going to have to do anything for yourself, which I, I don't ever think is actually going to be the case, but it's your life. You don't need somebody else's permission to go and help yourself. And, and my goodness, I will tell you that when you do that, it, it, it's a life changer. I have been a much happier person. I have been more attentive to the things that I need to pay attention to because I'm not, I'm not consumed with the past in a negative way. I'm consumed with my path, my past and the, and the aspect of, I, I, I look at it and I take great pride and joy in all of the negative things that I went through because those have made me into the person that I am today and have given me the strength to do what I do on a daily basis. It has given me the passion, the me, or, you know, defined purpose in my life to reach out and care for and, and, and talk about mental strength. That's a beautiful thing. Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget that, that the worst things in our life are some of the most beneficial things that, that we can, we could ever hope to, to, to experience or go through. <clears throat> I say that in, in, in the regards that that is where we develop our strength. That is where we grow from. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to be a strong person mentally, physically, emotionally. I want to be strong because my strength can be utilized by, by someone else, by the people that I love and I care about. And I can show them, I can show them how to do things better. There's always something, there's always a good thing that you can take away from everything. All right. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to try and make my promise come true. We're, we're almost to an hour. So look, just to wrap it up again, guys, fault in our, our thoughts, part two, 
echoing off of part one uh, that we talked about Erickson's uh, first four um, phases of that, that psychosocial developmental uh, process. Uh, today, we talked about distortions in our thinking. We identified what some of those distortions are. We talked about stuck points. We, we came to an understanding of what a stuck point is and then how to identify those. And then again, just kind of that process for challenging those stuck points as we go along. Um, Again, if you have any of these things, if you're identifying some of these things within yourself, go and reach out for help. Go advocate for yourself today. Please um, go out and look for, you know, look for a licensed practitioner that that has really good or really excellent knowledge in, in these areas and are able to help you work through these things. Make sure that you're, you're thinking about, you know, the direction of your life. What is your what what's your vision for your future? What what do you see for yourself? And and. and Really just take the time, think about what your needs are and advocate for yourself. Get the help that you need. Get it today. Don't wait. Go get it right now. Pick up the phone after the podcast. Um, <clears throat> all right. So again, I, I want to plug the social media. You can find us on Facebook at Mental Health Babble. Uh, we are uh, just kind of a page on there. We would love to see all of you on there. Um, just kind of actively participating from one person to the next. Um, I really, I, I'm I ask questions. I, I put thoughts of the day, um, generally just about every day on the, on the Facebook page, um, because I, I'm, I want to provoke some thought. Uh, I want some growth every week. And that's why I talk about, Hey, let's get these mental gains. All right. That's what we, that's what, that's what I'm trying to accentuate. So, uh, Facebook mental health babble, um, I believe, and I'm going to have to check real quick because I may do, do, do. give me just a second. Mm-hmm. Make sure that All right, so it's mental health babble on Instagram. Now, Instagram is kind of a it's it's a bit of a different I mean, you you guys know you've been alive long enough over the past couple of decades. I'm sure you know what Instagram is, but on Instagram, you know, we'll, we'll put up pictures, you know, my plan is to start doing kind of like a midweek behind the scenes, you know, Hey, everybody just encourage people, uh, on Instagram. So if you want to join us on Instagram, please do so. Um, should be mental health babble. If not, it might be MH babble. I don't know. Oh no, 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 it is mental health babble on Instagram. There you go. Um, Twitter, Twitter is a, a horse of a different color and, Honestly, I don't know why I'm doing all these different social media platforms. It almost seems a little redundant, but I'm, I'm trying to, again, like, like Dr. B, I want to provide as much information to as many people as I possibly can. So if I'm not reaching somebody on one platform, maybe I'm reaching somebody on another one, you know? So that's my mindset. Anyways, uh, not a big deal on Twitter. If you want to hook up with, uh, with us there, it's at M H babble. That is at M h babble all right uh connect with us there i again i'm i'm you know kind of putting very similar things up on all all three of the platforms um however facebook is getting a lot more of my attention uh, it's just easy to kind of type something up post it boom it's done it's it's out um but anyways, connect with us on our, on our social media. We'd love to connect with you. We definitely want to hear from you. We want to 
we want to engage. I think that's that's part of the most important part of what we're doing here is this this engagement piece. We want to engage with our listeners. We want to we want to get them to uh, engage with us and potentially, you know, push this podcast, push it out to other people that may need to hear this information. And and I would be so bold as to say that generally just about everybody needs to hear it. Like I said, the, the topics that we cover are things that, that people need to hear regarding their everyday lives. So it's not like we're talking about, you know, some really out, out, out of left field, you know, foreign concepts. We're talking about things that are absolutely relevant to each and every person. Um, so if you, if you feel, feel the need to do so, Please share this with, you know, friends, families, coworkers, anyone send it to, send it to everybody. All right. They all need to hear it. Um, and we do appreciate it. Every time you, you, you know, push this out and you send it to somebody else, you know, people are listening to the podcast. It's obvious. Um, like I said, I look at the analytics, I look at them just about every day, you know, and we're, we're getting, you know, very consistent downloads every, every single day. So it's getting out there. People are listening to it. Um, I know that people are enjoying it. You know, we, we hear about it from time to time and, and I can't be, I can't be happier. I could not be happier. Um, it's just been, it's been an amazing experience. The fact that I I've, been given the opportunity or have the opportunity to uh, do this. Um, I, I absolutely do not take this for granted. Um, so I, I really appreciate all of you. I hope you have a fantastic week. And for the last little piece before we go to the, uh, before we wrap this thing entirely is mental health babble, the podcast, we are doing a gift card giveaway. Now this does come with an attachment, we want to, like, like I said, we want to be interactive. We want the discussion uh, regarding mental health to get out there to, to everybody. But what we want our people to do is, is something that, that Dr. B actually kind of posited to us uh, in, our, in our weekly meeting last week. She wanted to understand the why. why. Why do you do what you do? Why are you here? Why are we doing psychoeducational counseling? She asked the nurse practitioners, why, why, do you, why are you here and, and you know, doing the medication side of things, you know, why, why is everybody here? What is your why? Man, I tell you what, that was, that was powerful. It's powerful because I, I don't know how many times we, we don't stop and think about the why we don't stop and, and reinforce the, the fact that we're doing something because we're, we're, we have a passion. We have, we have a belief, we have a purpose because of what we're doing. And it's easy. It's easy in counseling. And I will say this when you're, when you don't keep your eye on the ball, yeah, or, or you're, you know, you're not paying attention to your own feelings and emotions and everything, all these different things are going on. You're not ex- exercising, you know, good, adequate self-care. It's easy to hit a point of burnout and, and burnout is one of those things where it's like, you know, you start seeing compassion fatigue. You just, you, you stop caring or, you know, you start taking on so much of, of the, the pain of the people that you're talking to that it, it, causes people to be vicariously traumatized and, and they become depressed and, you know, so on and so forth. So paying attention to it and understanding the why keeps you, keeps you focused, keeps you in the game. And I am absolutely here because of my why. My why is my story. And I want you all to hear that. My why is my story. The things that I have been through, the way that I have, I have experienced life has given me, given me purpose to stand up and and talk about the things that I've been through and, and to advocate for other people. So the challenge is, 
and, and hopefully you guys can hook up with us on Facebook, but you, I, I, I don't want people to feel like they need to share this publicly, but I want, I want to know what your why is. Why does mental health and sharing this podcast matter to you or listening to this podcast? What is the why? And listen, you can make your submissions to me personally. It comes directly to me. No one else will see it. Um, if you, if you can send it to mentalhealthbabble at gmail.com. Again, that is mentalhealthbabble at gmail.com. All right. What is your why? Why does mental health, why does the field of mental health and sharing this podcast matter to you? And I'm going to be putting that up on, on Facebook and the various platforms for uh, social media. At the end of the month, we're going to select one person, at least one person. And, uh, there's, there's a gift card online. So, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna divulge what the specific amount of the gift card is, but it will be good for a restaurant or retail store of your choice. Um, we're definitely looking forward to hearing from you, the, the listener, let us know what you, what you like, let us know what you would like to, uh, hear about, you know, if there's some subjects out there that you're just kind of curious about that you would like to uh, hear more about. Um, and, and man, any, any feedback you give us is going to be taken to heart and absolutely considered. You are the reason why we're doing this. And so you are a very big part of what we are doing here. We thank you. We hope you have a fantastic rest of your weekend. Have a lovely week and keep pushing those mental gains. Get, get mentally stronger every, every single day. All right. Y'all take care. Bye.